0: Welcome. You're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted ministry partner for planned giving. And here's your host, Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations. Today's podcast comes to you from our Next Level fundraising event that we hosted on March 27, 2019 at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The first section, connecting to the donor's heart, Jim Baki, our executive director, and Corey Trenda, um, a major gift fundraiser from World Vision, shared their experiences and knowledge of what drives a donor to give to an organization, what their motivations are. And so we really appreciated Corey sharing his experiences and his wisdom and insight, and we hope that you'll enjoy it as well. This podcast has been edited for time. Uh, there's a reference to a video that we shared during the event uh, from Russell James, and that video is available through our member center uh, online. So without further ado, here's Jim and Corey. Well, welcome to Calvin College. Thank you so much for attending this session with us. I'm, ex- I'm really excited to present Corey and Russell to you today. And uh, we've, we've got a, most of this will be pretty informal. Corey's a Southern California guy, so I had to just really work him just to get dressed up today. Normally, he would want to be in shorts and, and flip-flops. In fact, he wrote me and said, I'll be in—I'll put a jacket on, but I'll be in shorts and flip-flops. I said, no, you can't do that. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, before, before I introduce Corey, though, I have some prepared remarks. And if you know me, very seldom do I ever read anything. But today, I just want to read this to you uh, to get us started. Um, We are all part of something really powerful here. We link people's hearts and their wallets to an idea or a project that causes them to want to transfer the fruit of their labors, their wealth, into someone else's hands without receiving any tangible benefit. This is an amazing opportunity we have. And no matter what the cause, we find people who are willing to part with their resources for something outside of themselves. Oftentimes, they have a lot of different reasons for that, but it's still amazing. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, founder of Standard Oil, made this statement about your work. He said, Never think you need to apologize for asking someone to give to a worthy cause any more than as though you were giving them an opportunity to participate in a high-grade investment. The duty of giving is as much his or hers as the duty of asking yours. But it's much bigger than that. It's bigger than that. In the spiritual realm, you are connecting people to God through your invitation for them to give to your ministry. Giving is a part of God's character. And as people give, they are opening up themselves to God's blessing, even if they don't know it. Now, you can choose, if you wish, to just make it about you and your organization. But I would propose that you're missing out on the very most important aspect of fundraising. You are helping people learn how to give. That is, connecting them to God's character, inviting blessing into their lives. That's something way bigger than your organization, even though you work for great organizations and they do excellent work. As people learn to be generous, it will benefit your ministry and several others. But it will also benefit them, their families. And as Jesus said, they will store up eternal treasures that don't fade away. This is your sacred privilege. You are a kingdom resource gatherer. Not just a fundraiser for Mission India or Calvin College or Calvin Theological Seminary or Big Life or, or Covenant College. Now, I realize that you get paid to raise money for your organization. And I don't know any supervisors that are going to give you great rewards for funds you raise for another organization. And in fact, there are many times in your organization where the fundraising pressure may be very intense, and your leadership is pushing very hard for you to hit your fundraising goals. But don't let that pressure uh, cause you to lose your perspective. We are kingdom resource gatherers. We all work for the same boss. And that boss is our provider, your organization's provider, and the provider of every person you're soliciting for resources. This all starts with the donor's heart. And Jesus talked about this. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Proverbs, it says... Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Paul in, in Romans 10 said, It is my heart's desire that. Now you know what he, how he ended that. But the point is that every single one of us have a heart's desire. And there is a clear connection between our heart's desire and our money. So let's talk about your supporters' hearts. Why are they giving to you? What is in their heart that causes them to write checks to your organization, to voluntarily release their wealth to your hands while receiving no tangible benefit? How can you engage them more deeply so that their hearts are more engaged with you? Now, we fundraisers often go into a meeting with two big uh, agenda items. Of course, we want to get to know the people, make them comfortable, make them love us, but our two big agenda items are... We want to tell this donor about the need or project we want them to support. That's number one. And number two is we want to ask the question, will you? We want to get them to say yes. However, I'd like to propose a different, uh, form, a different agenda that has four items on it. This is actually presented by Dan Shepard and Craig Smith, consultants from John Brown Limited. Um, and they recommended this approach, four steps, why? Why would a donor want to support your ministry? What are their passions and interests that would cause them to say, I want to support you? Then the second step, of course, is your number one, and that is what part of the ministry would you like them to support? And then the third step that we often miss is how might that gift be funded? That's why most of you are here and why Barnabas is making this presentation is because we can open up the door to ways that they can fund the gift that are other than just cash. And then the fourth step is, will you actually make the gift? So let's talk about the why. This first session is really about the why and the what. The reason reason why people will give to your organization is as much inside them as it is your organization's objectives and initiative. The key with any donor is to learn their story, and discover their passions that are in their heart, and then connect their story and their passions with your ministry. Now, if you don't do this, if you lead with your projects and your needs, you'll probably get a gift from them. But you won't get their heart gift. But if you connect that, then you will get their heart gift. Now, don't assume you know people's why just because you know their background. Don't assume you know their why. In the next hour, we're going to actually talk to you about how to let them tell you. And I am so privileged to be able to introduce Corey Trenda, my colleague, former colleague, friend, agitator, uh, <laughs> uh, I You know, you heard his bio, but I want to. I want you to hear a little bit about his heart. Uh, uh, he might be as effective as any fundraiser I know engaging with people and connecting them to plan giving expertise. We worked hand in hand and we worked so well together. Um, it might be that he's really good or it might be that just he and I got along well because we're both from North Dakota. So Corey, first let me tell you, you, you really dress up well. Thank we you. you. didn't California. know I could do it, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Blue blazer and white shirt, that's awesome. Uh, all right, so Corey, um, let's just start with the top, why a career in fundraising?
1: You know, after that great talk you just gave, it's really, it's wonderful that you're asking me my why, you know, before we talk about the, the others, so thank you for that. Um, my dad died in his sleep without any warning of a brain aneurysm at age 40. and. Um, I was a young man of twenty at the time. I had already started my family, amazingly enough. I was going to school, working. I didn't have time to to do much about it or think too much about it. But then I did well in college. I got a great job at IBM and started to go up the, you know, that income escalator or whatever. <clears throat> and by the time I was about twenty-six, though, I started to I started to think, wow, what if I dropped dead at age 40. They said these could run in families. And, you know, am I 15 years away from the same thing? And, and if so, how do I have a sense if my, you know, my life made a difference if I'm doing what I was put on earth to do? So I thought, you know, maybe I should ask the guy who made me, why am I here? And um, I remember sitting in church one day, and thinking, Oh, my goodness, you know, what if he tells me? You know, then, then what do I do? It's like, uh, well, thanks, God, but I, I think I got it covered pretty well down here uh, by myself. That, that was really the gut check time for me when I realized, you know, if I'm going to ask the question, I've got to be ready with everything in me as, as much as possible to say yes, to what I hear i did some some soul searching and went through some great exercises kind of look back at my life what had my life been telling me um and uh and when i did that i found two strings uh strands one of them was that my you know my gifts and skills and now my education had all been in business and sales and marketing but my passions were around the disparity uh, of life and, and people in need? And why was it that uh, the kids from the, the slum who went to the same school as me in junior high would come over and, and swim in my swimming pool? And why was that okay? It wasn't okay, you know? And, um, and that got me doing a bunch of different things as I was growing up. Um, and Rather than that kind of turning me away from from need it got me turning kind of toward it and and i realized that that's where my passions were but i thought what do you do with that and it was it was like a revelation for me wow i wonder if organizations that do this stuff i really care about could use somebody with my gifts and skills i'm sure that that part of the story uh, you know lots of people have gone through uh, so i looked around at a lot of organizations i was very impressed with world vision so in 82 i left ibm to to join World Vision and moved to Chicago. So I uh, uh, got to walk this morning around the, uh, around the interpretive grounds here, and it was really nice to remember, remember my years in Chicago. So thanks.
0: Randy, thanks for uh, walking me that trail. I told him about it, and he took it this morning. So, um, so that's why fundraising. Um, why World Vision? What kept you there all those years? Well,
1: and I, you know, we'll talk about the years I I spent away. But um, I, I've never found another organization that I think more comprehensively maps the vision that Jesus gave us for the kingdom of God. And I just love that about World Vision. And I, I love its size, size can be intimidating and frustrating many times. Uh, but there's also such potential for scale, so you know I've kind of I've kind of d- made myself into an intrapreneur, uh, and I, I try to innovate inside uh, a large organization, and I've just uh, found it to be, to be very meaningful for me. So.
0: Yeah, and I I just my side comment on that is. Uh, World Vision in your your heart just just beats like World Vision's mission statement
1: <laughs> beats, doesn't it? It does.
0: Yeah. It really does. Yeah. yeah. But you weren't there uh, all the time. You worked for several smaller organizations.
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, I'll mention just a couple because I might have some stories from them. But uh, International Bible Society, uh, uh, Opportunity International, and Partners International. Some of you might know some of those groups. Um, and. Through all these 37 years, I've been in uh, fundraising, mostly major donor work, I've managed teams. Um, I've uh, I've done major gift fundraising pretty much uh, all along the way. Uh, one of the things that I had the chance to do in those years also was to look for and hire and work with gift planning technical council. Now they weren't members, of, we weren't members uh, like like uh, Barnabas has, but uh, so I understand those dynamics of of, uh, of how how critical that is to any organization and uh, the ability to kind of work with it, even if they're not on your staff. So, okay.
0: what do you love best about your job today?
1: Well, it, lots of things, but I'll just I'll mention two. One is you know, doing life with the donors that I get to work with. And I've been back at World Vision now in the same area for 17 years. And um, so my mother passed away about a month ago. And uh, I had cards from donor friends. A couple of them sent me flowers. And um, we, we, but more importantly, we journey through life together. We we. We journey, we, I, I get to participate in their journey of generosity, and we we get to see things happen over time, and the impact that they're having and, and I'm having with them. Uh, we just had our recent conference, and a, a couple that I work with from, from uh, the Northwest, um, she was in tears. They were just talking about how meaningful it had been to be part of the uh, innovation fund thing, that, We'd done together, and um, and uh, they said it would definitely be one of the highlights of their spiritual, you know, journey uh, when they get to the end of their lives. And that's you know that's pretty pretty awesome to hear that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so so th- I guess the second thing that feeds into that is finding those things, finding those places where we can we can find you know something that they're passionate for, that World Vision wants to do, that would be meaningful. And fun to do together
0: so let's now then talk about the donors why Uh, uh, and talk about your your donor relationship by the way uh, I picked Corey up last night at five o'clock at the airport and at 11 o'clock at 10 to 11 Corey said boy it's getting late for you (laughs) we just went for six hours almost six hours steady uh hearing and telling stories telling stories yeah, you know. and hearing about the work the, the fun work you're doing and i wish you all had been able to be been with us it was a little long but you're going to hear quite a bit of that today uh so uh, how do you get to the donors why with don't with uh, with your donors maybe tell us uh some stories or tell us uh how yeah well that. let's
1: just we'll just kind of do this kind of free flowing. but first we we have to uh, kind of give some kudos to our Friend and uh, my colleague uh, Bill Bryce, who has a great uh, uh, a great term for this. He's, he calls it finding the donor's pilot light. Yeah,
0: that's
1: great. And pilot light is is a great idea, isn't it? Because it's just sitting there, kind of dormant, you know. But it's but it's there. There's a fire, but when you put gas to it, it uh, you know, it just it just can grow tremendously. So so how do we you know kind of find those? it's i don't i don't think there's a trick to it um it depends on the situation whether we're talking about an existing donor right or i'm talking to somebody new and and telling them about the organization or we're we're meeting for some one reason or another but let's talk about people that are already donors first Um, i like to start with a pretty open-ended question that lets them kind of Meander with it where they want because people have all sorts of different motivations. Um, it might be that they're really passionate about a part of the work that my organization does, right? Or maybe they're really passionate about a country that my organization works in. Um,
0: so, what's the question you ask then? You, you, last night you said I would like to ask. Yeah, well, often it's,
1: it's imprecise questions. Yeah, so often it's like. So, uh,
0: how did you happen
1: to get involved with World Vision? That kind of that kind of thing. So they can go anywhere they want. They might tell me that they got an inheritance and they've been child sponsors for years, but this is a one-time gift. Or they might tell me that you know God's put it on their heart to be better stewards. The, the great thing is that you find out all the things they are passionate about and all the things that we have yet to talk about. Um, so I like to start with imprecise, an imprecise question like that. Um, you know, in an organization like World Vision, it's a little bit challenging because we're so diverse. We work in so many places and so many different things. But I do find that, that sometimes one kind of crazy story. Uh, I, yeah. I will yeah. go ahead and tell the story now? Uh, I met with uh, with a guy who, who was in technology up in the Bay Area. And um, <clears throat> we World Vision uh, was doing our first campaign. And it was a campaign that had five different aspects and 16 different countries. And, uh, and so we were unpacking kind of, this is what we're doing and this and this. And I said, you know, does any of that kind of resonate with you? Because he was one of those who wouldn't really let you know what he was excited about. And he said, well, I mean, it all sounds great, but, um, I, was, I had been telling him that we're going to try some new things, you know, and we're going to try innovating in each of these things. And he said, what I'm really interested in is this innovation idea. I'm not so passionate about water or you know, economic empowerment or something like most people seemingly would say. Uh, and the great thing was we were just beginning to think about doing an innovation fund, so we ended up coming back to him uh, and, and are telling him that and then coming back to him when we did. And he made a very significant gift to that uh, he didn't fit into the easy, the easier patterns, you know, of saying, uh, "I'm really interested in clean water, etc." But, you know, working for like International Bible Society, it was really wonderful when you when you heard somebody's story, and they told you how the how the Bible on its own had impacted their life, mm-hmm. and you know, their passion is getting the the Bible in as many hands as possible. So that's that's a great entree. Uh, as well, so.
0: Um, uh, you, had some other, you had some other ideas on how to get to their why.
1: Yeah, so. How about the new people? Yeah, so with new, with new folks, um, and chime in if somebody's got some, some, another comment as well, but um, with new people, you know, it may even be that I need to, you know, kind of use an elevator speech or something. Um, and tell them what the organization does. And my favorite one was when I was at Opportunity International, which is a Christian microfinance provider. And I'd say, yeah, Opportunity, we provide tiny loans and business training to people in poverty so that they can start or expand a small business, create new jobs, and work their way out of poverty. I had that, 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 that was it, word for word. And I mean, I haven't worked for them for almost 20 years, and I still remember it word for word. Um, I wrote that myself in words that I believed in, was passionate for, that also resonated with the kind of person that would, would be interested in this. And, and, I, and I put it on my wall, and I looked at it multiple times a day, and I memorized it, and I used it, um, and tried to keep it fresh for me. I adjusted it a little bit along the way, but that, that was specifically designed to kind of provide hooks. There were some words there that were really going to be important for people that would be interested in that cause. And by doing that, it gave us something to talk about. It was an invitation. So after I'd said that, I would shut up, right? Okay.
0: <laughs> this is what I loved about when you were telling me about this. You just give that, what did it take? 30 seconds 30 35 seconds 20 yeah whatever and then you shut up and then what did you do
1: I I I would wait to see what they how they reacted to that you know and if they were if they wanted to go with it a certain way I went I went that way or they might you know the great thing is then sometimes the resonation with people they don't even realize it's there and with microfinance there were there were a lot of donors who or people out there who were businessmen, they kind of didn't believe in anything that felt like charity, but here's an idea of of a way that people are actually working and working their way into a better life. And they would just jump on that, or they would say, you know, boy, I, I know what you mean, I've had loans, and boy, it's made all the difference, and, you know, et cetera. So it just was a great springboard. So I'm looking for springboards, basically, to kind of begin exploring that uh, that whole concept of the why for them, even they may not even know it. So,
0: and then sometimes you're stuck. So when you're stuck, what question do you ask?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so if, if they're, if they're just not, either they don't know or maybe more likely they aren't forthcoming, you know, (laughs) Uh, I will sometimes just kind of sit back and say, "So, so tell me what made you decide to meet with me." There, <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that, um, and then they have to say something. <laughs> so, and uh, it's it, it has been interesting the number of times that that's led to some openness that we didn't have before. So,
0: <laughs> so how about an example of how? learning about that enabled you to connect them with your organization?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, we throw, I've thrown out a few, um, but you, you mean learning their pilot light? Yeah, so or I was their...
0: thinking about uh, our, your, your friends that said this innovation fund's changed our life.
1: Yeah, that, that was a lovely couple who had heard about Uh, there were they were also in technology and and they had met a colleague uh, he because he said oh I'm really interested in innovating in you know the the uh, poverty space or something like that and my colleague said oh you you've got to meet Cory Trenda because he's creating this new innovation fund and I met with him uh, uh, his name's uh, Craig I met with him um, one time, and and by the end of the meeting, he knew he wanted to make a mid six-figure gift yeah. to be participating in this, which was a, a quite a large gift for them. Uh, there were there were some other reasons for that we can get into, but the thing was, um, we just those are the magic meetings uh, when when you you really discover quickly. It's not always quick, is it? Uh, It's often not quick at all. Uh, But finding that intersection between their passion and what you're doing. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit last night, but it's a longer conversation about how oftentimes, you know, there's a lot of work involved in kind of helping the donor understand the things that they want to do that don't actually make sense. But there are some things that, if they could steer this way, maybe you could steer your organization this way. And you guys could come to that place. Uh, we'll talk about it again later, but it's, uh, it's really important to, to not overpromise those things or try to create a deal where, when there's separation between you. So that's a long process. Well, and
0: that's the, that's the, the part that supervisors are concerned about. Well, if you just talk about the donor, you know, and their passions, what if it doesn't match your project? Uh, and uh, you know, yeah. if, if you're raising money for a gymnasium and they're all excited about about uh, scholarships, well, you know, are not going to you're not going to get your, your gymnasium built. But if uh, I know how you work. You might not talk to them about the scholarships that time, but you're going to write it down. And you're going to come back with a project yeah, I mean, of it, scholarships.
1: It's um, you know there's a lot of turnover in uh, in fundraisers. At least they say there is. I, I've not experienced this eighteen month uh, thing um, with with in the organizations I've worked with. But but yeah, I mean, and I was at a couple of organizations a short time. Um, there really is something wonderful about being in a long time relationship. And also understanding that even if I'm not there, the organization could be in a long time relationship with this person. So yes, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to look for opportunities for that uh, to happen. And if it can't happen through my organization, I may help them find it through another organization. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, uh, when you began, you know, we we all work for the same boss. And one of the good things about having worked for a few organizations is I know the kingdom, it, World Vision is a pretty large organization. It's nothing compared to IBM, by the way. Um, but it's, uh, it's a pretty large organization, but the kingdom is so much bigger than any one organization that we work for. So we, we need to be kingdom minded and serving our donors.
0: Okay, so we've got to get to the why, and then um, we've got to share the what we want them to share. And so how do you share a compelling vision uh that makes people want to say yes
1: um, you know first of all I have to believe in that vision myself um, mm-hmm. You know that's really that's really a key thing and I didn't always have that in my career or I would kind of tire and uh, of, you know, and see the the, the holes or whatever. And, um, you know, it's really, it really is important for us to be passionate, first of all, about the cause and really, really believe in that. And if you're not, there's a lot of other great organizations out there uh, to, to find that more closely match your, your passion. Um, so then I, then I, then I want to really understand what's compelling to the donor. It might be a what, or it might be a where, or it might be a how, or it might be that God is calling them to be more generous and they're just looking for a trustworthy organization to partner with. Right. I, I've, I work, I've had, yeah, you know, some of those people that I work with. So it's not always, you know, I, it, in the, and the pilot like concept is great, but I think we kind of want to narrow it down and think that inside every donor, there's he's, he's passionate about something, some component of World Vision's ministry. Right. Some he's, he's passionate about clean water, passionate about education. Well, we've talked about stories of people that weren't passionate about those things. They're passionate about innovation, though, or, or they're passionate about being generous uh, with an organization they feel good about. So all of those things can be the donor's pilot light. So, so then you know tying into that isn't as simple as just necessarily picking out a great project or something. It might be that um, it's worth having a, having them meet with the president. Um, right of the organization or something else that makes them feel that sense of trust. Right. And they may give a gift that's where most needed or, or that kind of thing. But plenty, there are plenty, most of the people that I work with are involved with some specific project or some specific aspect of World Vision's work. But the other thing that I try to do is is really give them a long term perspective. So, um, you know, what's the problem? What's the solution? And over time, what can we do together that would really give them a meaningful sense of impact and be fun to do? So at World Vision, we've had a we've had some really nice training from Cindy Blasi lately at 3D Communications. I want to give a little shout out to her. She's been very gracious to us. Um, so, for instance, if somebody's interested in um, in health, you know, I may talk about the problem, you know, being that 16,000 kids die every day of preventable causes around the world and you know um, there's tremendous vulnerability of kids in the, the first thousand days of life 80% of brain development takes place between you know it's conception to age two and at least half of the deaths for children take place you know that quickly and then the second so that's the problem the comprehensive solution uh, and comprehensive is important you know what's the intelligent overall overarching strategy that you've put in place toward dress, addressing this 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 problem? So I'd talk about 220,000 uh, community health volunteers that World Vision works with around the world. I'd mention that there's hope, uh, in, and I'd mention a few other things, but I'd also mention hope because so 16,000 is a terrible number. But when I started in 1982, it was 45,000 a day. So I want to stop
0: for a moment. Okay. Sorry. I want you all to hear what he just said, because we don't know this, and this is the best news that is not being told. You started in 1982, and what did you say? 45,000 what?
1: Kids died every day of preventable causes.
0: Okay. 45,000 kids died every day of preventable causes. Are we making a dent in it? What is the number today? Yeah,
1: sixteen thousand a third. yeah. Stop Hallelujah. for
0: another moment, because I just—I mean—I think we all need to know we're making—we're making progress. And I want you to tell—I mean, this was this unscripted—but yeah. I also want you to tell about the beginning of the AIDS crisis, hmm. and ten years later when you came back to the same village and and saw what what World Vision did needs. Because I, I think this is another one that's worth hearing.
1: Well, yeah, it really, it really is. Uh, you know, it was such an overwhelming uh, crisis in, in in a lot of the places that World Vision was working in those years, and we were seeing the death of the, the kind of the most productive generation—people between about 20 and 40. So the, the 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 doctors were dying, the you know the the teachers were dying, the, the farmers were dying, you know, the business people were dying. So who's you know how does it How does a society work? You got grandparents, elderly grandparents taking care of, you know, their their grandchildren, and it was was overwhelming. And, you know, World Vision played a really great role in that. Uh, One of the things we decided is that, you know, you couldn't possibly create enough orphanages to take care of this, and that's not a sustainable solution in this case anyway. You can't fund them forever. Um, So we actually were part of a probably a consortium of organizations that started working, training up local moms and and dads, but local people that said, you know, no kid should have to, to live like this uh, as an orphan or whatever, nobody should die alone. And we, we organized these AIDS care groups. Uh, they've morphed into community health uh, volunteers. But um, there's uh, just an army of people that would wash People that would come care for them uh, would train other people in the community how to avoid HIV, how to, you know, c- caring for the, their children at, and starting community gardens, and uh, and and that crisis has really has really abated in many ways. And now these community health workers have more time on their hands and tremendous credibility in the communities. So. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm answering where you wanted to go with this, but it's... uh, Yeah,
0: so I I guess what I... uh, I, We often wonder, you know, are are we making a difference in the world? And I I remember you saying, walking into that one community... uh, Oh, sorry. Malawi, maybe? Malawi. Okay. And 10 years later came back, or 20 20 years later Mm. came back, and it was a completely different community. Oh, yeah, yeah. restored. Right. And and what was you're You're thinking that was
1: from the Ethiopia famine. The Ethiopia famine of the 80s, uh, yeah, when I and I went there, and uh, a community that had been an absolute basket case, you know, and all the trees had been cut down for firewood, everything had been eaten, they had no crops, they had no tools, because they'd sold their tools for food, and they were only living because of relief aid. Yeah, 25 years later, it's the breadbasket of northern Ethiopia, and um, uh, they're exporting food, uh, kids are in school that weren't even alive then because World Vision saved their parents
0: it was pretty amazing so that's just a little
1: parenthetical sorry Uh,
0: so now let's go back to uh, I think the point here is problem solution and then and then
1: how you can make an
0: impact how you can make yeah and I really like
1: to think about that in terms of you know So our five-year goal in uh, this water project in Zambia was to reach 550,000 people with clean water, which is a huge number, right? Um, But just, you know, walk with us alongside that, and and you can see, we can watch the progress of that happening. And maybe sometime you can even go there and visit. Um, But you you can watch the stewardship of your gift, basically, taking place over the... By, by walking with us over five years with this program, mm-hmm. so yeah, lots changed in World Vision. We'll get to that, but uh, these these m- kind of multi-year invitations uh, really provide a, a more meaning for our donors. They're more meaningful for our donors to be with us for multiple years. It's not just a matter of of you know getting their money, right? Uh, which is great to have that kind of a multi-year commitment, but they get to actually see change taking place. They get to see that drop in childhood deaths, you know, in a place or access to clean water. So.
0: Now, I, I know that these are kind of like really big projects yeah. and they sound really great, but all of you have these, these projects. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned something last night that I love to hear, and, and you said, we want our projects to be big enough where the donor can't do it by themselves. World Vision used to have all these mini projects where they'd asked the donor to take care of a, yeah. one specific yeah. project, and they thought mm-hmm. that was the way to do this. Yeah. And you might think, you know, you got to invite a donor to be to fund an entire project. Talk to that th- that issue.
1: We made a real sea change. Thanks. That's a good one. Um, when we created the, this campaign, which now that one ended, and and we're in the middle of our second campaign because it went very well. Um, we we had thought that basically our dollar handles had to be basically around what people could fully fund by themselves and it was overwhelming to report on all of these little things So we just couldn't they weren't having a great experience and it actually it actually kept the donors um i think i think i think donors buttonhole our organizations based on what they think we can handle money-wise and yeah
0: donors will give you as much money as they think you can handle you just heard that Um, when I was when I showed up in 2007 your largest gifts were 50 hundred a couple of people were 500 to 750 right you made a sea change and all of a sudden, million and two million and three million dollar gifts start yeah, rolling in. Yeah, that's and right. Five million, and these are crazy high numbers because it's a global. Yeah, don't worry
1: about the number of zeros. Yeah. It's, but uh, yeah. if
0: your donors are giving you five hundred or a thousand or fifteen hundred, uh, you're going to have to change the way you communicate with them if you want. 5000 and 7000 and, and what we did
1: there. was kind of we talked about these comprehensive solutions at, over a over a bigger over, scale pure, pure, so so did, rather than looking at okay this village in Zambia you could fund a well for $10,000 or that kind of thing right or you could fund this community where we need 10 for $100,000 or whatever we we started talking about what's our national strategy for Zambia for clean water and it was this, these, this large thing. There are reasons for World Vision why this was really great. We had a business plan that we could share with donors. We could explain that this allows us to buy the kind of equipment that we can really scale and bring the cost down per person to provide clean water. Um, we could report better on these because we only had one report on Zambia to do And so all of a sudden, you know, we could really spend time on there. people could still kind of have a representative village that they visit a couple times to see the change in one village, but they didn't have to own that village. Uh, This is something we can talk further about, but it was a real sea change for us and something that I was personally kind of afraid of. We did lose some donors along the way, as we talked about last night. But it's really, it's really been transformative for World Vision's work. And our donors think about us in it. They, they've added a zero to their thinking about World Vision.
0: I love what you said. We are now encouraging our donors to walk with us over mm-hmm. a five to seven year period of funding. I like that. I, I mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what you did, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's not about fund this one well, and you know, we'll get it drilled and we'll give you a report on that. It's it's Let's watch change happen for a lot of people um, over uh, multi- multiple years. Yeah.
0: So I asked you a question last night. Share some examples that have been effective over the years of, of really how to present opportunities that connect donors' heart to your work. And, uh, do you remember what your response to me was? No. So, well, I'm not sure about that, but I know it does not work.
1: Well, yeah, right. Yeah, I do know what does it, what doesn't work. And I mentioned it earlier is is to overpromise. Uh, I'm a big believer in underpromising and overdelivering and spending a lot of effort. Friends, you're, if you're if you are on the ground face to face, you know, major gift fundraisers, or somebody said minor gift fundraisers uh, to me this morning. Um, We have a lot of work to do to really understand what our organizations can and can't do and not promise the moon to people, but really begin to change them. Be patient, take time, talk to your organization, but you've gotta gotta come to a place where you have confidence because it's not about getting this gift. It's gotta be about developing that relationship that doesn't pick unripe fruit and um, that grows over time so by having a great experience this time there's tremendous potential that a donor will participate again in fact I had a one donor who you 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 know who gave us a quite significant gift for a project and uh, we went and saw it the impact that they'd have basically made a lead gift for one of our projects went and saw it and and he said you know this was great Corey that was I had we had a wonderful experience with this but I think I'm done you know we started it and it's going and you need a lot more money but I think I'm I think I'm done he made a small gift the next year and then he made no gift the next year but just after that we had a new project come up that was I thought this is right in his breadbasket I, along the way, I'm just loving on him and thanking him and giving him more reports on the continued impact that he's having. You know, if our president comes or somebody interesting, I'll have a meeting and, he, you know, he can get an update on what's going on. But this other project came up and, um, and uh, his daughters were now involved with helping him on their giving. And uh, they, they made an even larger gift to this, to this new one. So
0: even after he said he was done with you? Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was really, it was really wonderful. It took time, I didn't panic. Um, It's really important for us to speak back to our bosses and our organization saying, Hey, just because that guy was giving, we knew that his gift was going to run out. Um, And don't expect him to give the same thing, you know, the next year, again, you can't put that on me uh that's a that's an interesting management discussion but uh uh somebody's a lot of people are writing that one down to talk more about um anyway yeah that's good
0: so never overpromise underpromise uh so that the donor is happier after a few a few years than they were at the beginning mm-hmm. now did you notice one thing he just passed this real quickly He said, this donor told him he was done. And what did Corey say afterwards? I kept loving on him. I kept sending him reports. I kept in touch with him. Uh, uh, Corey, he'll tell you more about this, but Corey writes emails, uh, writes little, we'll call them blogs. Meditations. Meditations, okay. And then he just sends them out to his donors. Uh, or he reads something and if he thinks of that donor, he just sends it to him. Um, this is part of the magic that this guy has. He loves people and he loves to connect them to the ministry and he loves to connect them to he, what he knows their hot buttons are. He knows his donors pilotly. He knows his donors' why. And so he speaks to their why all the time. And they're done, don't, they're done giving they can even say, I'm not giving, I'm not giving that to that anymore. That doesn't stop him. He just keeps on loving on them and then sure enough they come back and make a gift that was larger. I'm bragging on you now, Corey. Well,
1: uh yeah, so let me say that we all have we all have to manage how many people we can have in our portfolio or on our list or whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't and, uh, do that with
0: 400 people.
1: You, that's right. I mean, you can't do that with people that that uh, you didn't really know their pilot light in the first place, and maybe you inherited their giving, and or they've told you, you know, they don't have anything else to give. But even then, though, that's what we talk about gift planning. So we'll get that into that one next time. But yeah, no, you're right. With people that have been with you, you know, life life is long. I remember when I was at. Um, world Vision the first time and uh, in Chicago and there was a real estate downturn and one of my biggest owners was was a real estate guy and he said you know I can't I can't give to you now I said you know Paul it's um, you're you're a partner you're a friend and uh, we're in this together and you know life has ups and downs and we celebrate when you can give and you know when you can't let's 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 work on other things together maybe you know people who could give um, you know I would have loved to for Paul to have said well let me see if I can replace what I was giving with uh, with other people giving it I, we never got to that point but those are the things that are going through my mind that I'm trying to get toward with people like that and 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 just and love on them and wait, wait for things to change and take the long view.
0: So what, are, what is our takeaway here today? So the first key is we got to capture the donor's heart. and we capture that heart mostly by listening, by asking imprecise questions by throwing out some seeds and seeing how the, the donor responds to them. By the way, Donors don't just have one pilot light. I'm working with a yeah. donor right now, and we he changes his list quite <laughs> regularly, his list of <laughs> charities. Um, but he has a reason why he gives to each of your organizations. And it's funny when we talk about, well, should we reduce that amount? Oh, no, no, we're not going to reduce that amount because, and he gives me his why on... on uh, one of your organizations. You're all here no, either here or on the on the video, and uh, and then uh, he'll I'll say, you know, I know this organization put a proposal up in front of you because uh, they also sent it to me. Well, what do you think about this? Well, I like that, but I'm not going to give him everything. I'm not going to give him everything. you know, <laughs> he's got his why. So your donors have a why for each of you, and just because they get all excited about a project at uh, uh, at the Christian school does not mean they're they're not going to be excited about another project over here because they've got they've got resources for each of their passions. Uh, so the only question is why are they supporting you?
1: Okay. So you had one more question to ask me before. If you're wrapping up, I wanted to say one more thing.
0: Okay, say one don't, more don't
1: thing. Don't don't cut me off. <laughs> Please.
0: This is not completely scripted. You can tell it's a little scripted, but not completely. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I want to. I want to mention uh, a story uh, of a woman. We'll call her Betty. Okay. Uh, who who you know well, and uh, it wasn't me doing the vision casting. Yeah. It was another donor uh, who was really excited about something that World Vision was doing, and. And, and Betty got really excited and wanted to do something tangible. And you and I got to uh, be blessed by helping with the how, right? And we're going to talk about the how later. But We just got to hop on
0: the train. Yeah, she was driving it the train. Was,
1: it was beautiful. But there, the reason I wanted to mention that story here was because, you know, it's not like there's some magical words or something that need to be said and it's all on me to 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 find the pilot light or whatever. Um you know I uh I see my role as a relationship manager with people. I'm not necessarily the one who makes every move, right? And we need to take our ego out of there or our eager beaverness that thinks it's all on me and then I gotta do all this stuff because that's not very smart fundraising. Um, I had a donor who said to me once, it was great, I, was, I already knew this, but I love the words he used. I quote him all the time. He said, Corey, you know, we all love you, but let's face it, you get paid to say nice things about World Vision. So, And that's true for each of us, isn't it? And the donors, are, these are smart people, right? They wouldn't have wealth if they weren't fairly savvy. And so they know that there's always that. So if we can put a peer in front of them, there, there's so much to be gained from that. Uh, It doesn't it's not that I'm abdicating my responsibility, and I'm always involved somehow, although I may not be in the room. Uh, We just had our big uh, annual conference for World Vision. And I was, I was spending most of my time uh, making sure that this existing donor or National Leadership Council member was meeting with this prospective donor or national leadership council member and just telling their own story right not with me not there i want them i want my prospects to talk to people who have kicked our tires had their own skepticism about the organization and yet decided to invest and and why so you know if you manage fundraisers that doesn't that doesn't mean that they always You know ought to be bringing in global staff or that kind of stuff but if they have a solid strategy uh, for bringing in a donor or a board member they might be actually you know count that in their favor that's smart that's smart fundraising
0: I'm so glad you brought that in um, because you you are a master at not needing to be in the room in control of every conversation you just want to be making sure the donor is moving forward. And whoever can help move that relationship forward, you're putting them in the room. And Betty, uh, you're right. She, she got lit up for World Vision, not by you. You just happened to be,
1: well, part of it. I'm not chopped
0: okay. liver, OK? <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, it was her, but it was the other gal who, yeah. who started talking about that project right. that just really got her going. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.